If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Healthcare for Humans, hosted by Dr. Sundar, expands our understanding of the history and culture of different communities and how to provide culturally responsive care. There's an episode you should check out where guest Dr. Duran details the systemic barriers faced by individuals with DACA status and highlights the importance of addressing these barriers. Check out Healthcare for Humans on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to Highway to Health. I'm Jeremy Quinby. How are you doing, my friends? It's a gorgeous sunny day here in Minneapolis. Seems like there's a lot more activity happening, more people moving about, more options, and most importantly, my kids are done with school, so feeling a lot freer, dare I say, optimistic. I can't say that I'm feeling totally confident about going back to doing everything, though. After taking my wife to the dentist this week and having some work done on the car, I'm not totally sure I'm feeling comfortable enough to sit in a restaurant with a mask on. And, and how does that work anyway, you know, with putting the food in? Do you lift up the mask and then put the food in and then put the mask down while you're chewing? I'm not sure how that works. You know, I really want to support these local establishments too, and I'm sure many of you do, but I'm just kind of questioning, is this something that people will want to do? And will there be enough people who want to do this going into the restaurants? And will the restaurants have enough people to staff them? And will it be worth the effort financially for them to even open for these days? And is it safe to do? I've decided to have my good friend and colleague, Dr. Aaron Babb, on the show to help me sort through some of this here, and he'll be on in just a minute. If this is your first time listening to the show, I want to welcome you. Highway to Health is a place for you to explore and create your own blueprint for health. Having worked in integrative health for more than 20 years, I'm acutely aware of how all aspects of our lives come to have an effect on our overall state of being. And it is my hope that through the content and conversations you get here, that you'll be more engaged and empowered personally and in your communities. A thank you to the new supporters of the podcast. Your dollars are helping us build more resource and a whole community of support. If you'd like to contribute to this project, there are a couple of ways. One is financial. You can support the show for as little as $1 a month by going to patreon.com forward slash highway to health, or you can click the link on the show notes on the app that you're listening on right now and become a supporter today. The other is by sharing content that we create to help more people become aware of Highway to Health and the resource we provide. And if you're a health professional or involved in a health-related project, you can also connect with me on LinkedIn or through the contact page on our new website, highway2.health, so that I'm aware of your work. I'd love to bring you into this community of health improvement influencers. You've probably heard me mention my guest for today in a number of episodes. He's also twice been a guest here, so if you want to learn more about his story or his work, you can go back and look through episodes. He's got a real instinct for where things are going in healthcare and in technology, combined with a very common sense approach to developing solutions to problems that many people find overwhelming. He's been my go-to person right now when I'm struggling to understand what's happening at various stages with COVID. And I thought that given the pandemic fatigue that most of us are experiencing, he might be able to help us all stay informed and motivated. Please welcome back to the show, Dr. Aaron Babb.
you're so well informed. I mean, I, I came to you with like my struggles of processing this, which was like more than anything, like me actually st- struggling with the, the the concept of like the the economics of what's going to happen for a, a lot of people that I'm wor- you know both working with and treating, and for myself. I mean, I've luckily I've gotten some help you know with unemployment at this point. But it's but it's still not it's not like a lot, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it does certainly takes some some of the edge off. But yeah. you know, I I feel like that that's one of the things I'm I'm still dealing with, like both from people that I'm you know talking to around my you know different different colleagues. I'm seeing stuff on I'm seeing stuff they're posting on there's a there's a Cairo that I know who's who's posting some stuff right now, and I'm like. Ah, it's not, it's, you know, it's, this is not a herd thing, you know, like, so, so let's, let's, um, I, I'm, I'm curious to hear like, you know, both, both a little bit of what you see being, you know, uh, misconceptions in, in terms of COVID, but then like solution-based things right now, because I feel like there are some things that we can do that are kind of simple and we, and there's a lot of things that we're going to have to bridge and try and then monitor. Like this is not, there's no perfect in this situation. There's definitely no perfect because we've never really seen this before. And, you know, I I think one of the first misconceptions is just how many people, you know, compared it to the flu and just like, oh, it's just like the common flu and that sort of thing. And it really isn't. Yeah. I mean, it really isn't. Probably one of the biggest things that I talk about like all day with people is the fact that the reason why it's spread around the world so quickly is because people could have, um, you know, the virus within them and have no symptoms at all or mild symptoms that are just like any other cold, yeah. not even like realize that they're actually infected and then start going around interacting with other people. Like, for example, so like South Korea did probably some of the best in all of the world on handling it right away. Yeah, totally. And probably because of their first experience with the first SARS. Yeah. You know, and so they shut down their, their country right away. They did tons of testing. And they were able to basically, you know, flatten the curve, you know, keep their death rate low and keep their uh, population safe. So then they started opening up again because they basically had gotten all their, you know, the new cases down to zero. They were doing really good. And so basically within the first weekend that they opened up, there was someone who went like out to the clubs and didn't know he had no idea he was infected and basically infected 80 other people. Yeah they traced it back to like one person infecting 80 other people. And so like, you can just see like how it can spread so quickly if someone doesn't even know that they're, you know, sick or ill or anything like that. Do do you have any idea how they did the tracing in that situation? Yeah. So basically what they did is they, um, anyone who was positive, they backtracked to where they had been. Okay. And then basically they they did the contact tracing. And you know, the thing is, is in different countries, of course, we have different uh, outlooks on how government should be, you know, monitoring. Yeah, exactly. Monitoring (laughs) and also just like how authoritative like the government is. Obviously, in our country, we've been having a bit of a struggle with that. And, you know, and that's why we didn't have a coordinated effort and why there were different kind of, you know, opinions about doing things and kind of delays and that sort of thing. And so so it's different. So they were able to do a lot more contact you know, tracing. What, what, what do you know about, about what's going on for contract tracing in the U.S. right now? Because, I mean, early on, I saw that Apple had partnered with Google, I think, or somebody uh-huh. right away or with Microsoft. And, and, and it, was, it was like the, the way that they planned to do it. I mean, it, was, it went back to some of the stuff that I know you were working on in tech, which was they were de-identifying, you know, people through that. But that doesn't mean anyone's going to trust that either. 
Right, exactly. Yeah, supposedly the uh, Apple and Google got together to be able to do some sort of contact tracing, de-identified and basically like made it very clear, at least from their technology side, who knows whether or not the NSA and the CIA and everyone, you know, right. basically can totally connect those two things, but to de-identify your identity, but also be able to see where you were so then if there was someone who was positive, then you would basically get an alert that said, hey, you know, it's possible that you interacted with someone who was positive for, you know, COVID-19. So, you, you know, it would be a good idea for you to go and get tested. And these are the locations where you can go and get tested. Right. So that, that was the idea of it. And they wouldn't even they, they wouldn't even share basically the other person's, you know, information. So if we were, you know, uh, interacting and I became positive, you the te you know the text message or the alert that you would get one say like you interacted with Aaron right. and therefore you know he was sick and he totally messed you all up and you should go beat him up or something right right that's that's important too but yeah totally the question I have with this is like how do you gain trust in that kind of process with technology when data has been the new property you know like that's it's it's the most valuable property that's the currency that we have now. A hundred percent. Yeah, that's the biggest problem, right? Is because like we want the convenience and we want basically everything at our fingertips, but we also want privacy so no one can know what we're doing. Yeah. You know, and so it's like it's over the last few years, it's really kind of been this battle of convenience and data and information at our fingertips yeah. and privacy. And that's why, you know, it's interesting when you think about how Apple has done it versus say like Facebook and other people. Like Apple has really kind of made their business now on being private. Yeah. you know, and fighting against, you know, being able to unlock your phone and that sort of thing. And so it's, it's very interesting. I think in some ways though, what they were planning though, was that this wasn't going to be like an opt-in. It was just going to, they were going to deploy it to all the phones. I haven't read enough on it recently on what they've decided to do, but yeah. that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Pretty interesting. And, and when it, when it gets to the level of economies, and you know what's what's bound to happen right now, you know, globally with with the economy, you would think that there there would be enough pressure and enough influence going on from governments to to actually make some of this stuff happen too. Because I mean, even even governments outside of the U.S. who want the U.S. to do well economically because of you know trade everything. and everything, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's just has not been a coordinated effort. You know, even I mean, the other hard thing, too, is like the United States is so huge, yeah. you know, and it's so diverse, like even in California, you know, where I live. So I live, you know, up in the rural mountains and it's a lot different than, you know, people who live in L.A. or San Francisco. Yeah. So, you know, they made kind of blanket, you know, recommendations and all the people up here were a little upset about it. Well, of course. I mean, talking all day. it's it's hard, though, because. You know, you, I mean, I'm I'm hearing about this even with some some friends I have who are spending time out of the city right now. One of them, one of my friends' uh, parents' families owns a campground about two hours outside of Minneapolis. So they've been basically just been hanging out up there, and and you know they don't know anyone who has it, which is I, I think one of the one of the challenges that so you, that you were talking about too is, you know. If 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 people don't have any experience with it, if they don't see it happening around them, I mean, even in Minneapolis, for that matter, I mean, we've had twenty thousand cases. It's not enough. Pe it's not enough people for, you know, the the public at large to have enough experience to say. And, and we've had a thousand deaths. Like it's it, it's it seems unbelievable if you don't actually know someone firsthand, and that it becomes very hard to sort of, you know, promote something that that you're thinking about. I've actually had a handful of people come in and ask me like, hey, 
do you know anyone personally who's died? And I actually do know, you know, someone from back home who's actually younger than me and who had childhood asthma yep. and ended up dying. Yep. Actually, he was like, he was a couple of years younger than me. And so I do know some people who died, but a lot of these people up here, because we're in this rural area yep. and with most of these pandemic type of things, the rural areas will be hit later yeah. you know, because it's concentrated where all the people are, but it will continue to spread. And so yeah. we're, you know, we've had about 40 cases in our whole county, okay. you know, but it's likely going to continue to grow. Oh, yeah. As more and more people kind of come through for tourist stuff. And even over the Memorial Day weekend, we saw a lot of people coming through, you know, camping and that sort of thing. And the RV parks are totally full, even though the state camping ground was like closed. Yeah. You know, but the private RV parks were like totally, you know, congested. That's that. That's what I, I mean, I was, I was you know, texting you this, but it seemed like, you know, things were really starting to kind of like taper here. It, it was going down to like 50 cases and then down to like nine people on, on the 21st of May. And then the weekend happened. And on Sunday before the holiday, it, it spiked back up to 884. Right. So, exactly. And and I think and and the thing I've been reading too about some of the rural areas is that what the the big thing that's going to shift now over the summer is that a lot of people are moving around for work too for 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 agriculture. The meat industry is is getting hit now. So a lot of these rural areas are actually going to start getting hit pretty fast. And you know if they don't have the belief system that this is something that's real it's going to hit hard. And I, and I think that's part of the reason why you and I wanted to do this in the first place was because I think there's, there's, it's, it's, it's a hard one uh, wisdom right now to like actually say, yeah, this thing is real. Listen to the scientists. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's exactly what happened in South Dakota. You know, right. so the governor was basically saying it's not a problem here. You know, we're so rural. And then like the next day it all blew up at that port, you know, plant in Sioux Falls. Yeah, because people were so close together, and it was deemed like an essential business, yeah. and it just started started blowing up. And so, yeah, that is totally the problem. You know, the other really interesting problem too is that you know even locally here, our local hospital is really having a hard time staying afloat because you know they've canceled all sorts of elective surgeries, right. procedures, and right. people don't you don't want to go into the hospital. You know, and we haven't had a whole lot of cases. So now the revenue is totally going down and they're having a hard time even staying afloat. So there's all these like complex, it's not so easy decisions. It's not just one thing. Yeah. But, you know, we've already had now over 100,000 deaths. And I was looking at some of the projections. They think there's going to be probably another 100,000 by the end of August. And wow. then the real second wave will start in the fall. Yeah. You know, and they basically like, some of these projections have been pretty spot on. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so it's it's just really unfortunate. I mean, the other, so to go back to, you know, the flu versus like the coronavirus, a lot of yeah. people were trying to compare the numbers, you know, like, oh, you know, maybe the worst one, you know, we lost like 80,000 people. Well, yeah, but that was over like an entire flu season mm -hmm. and we didn't shut the whole country down. Right. So, I mean, the fact that we've had 100,000 people die and we shut the country down, I yeah. mean, that's... That's pretty crazy. Yeah, and that's I, that's another piece that I think I, I, I when when people get into just you know numbers crunching and trying to you know I mean I, th I think people can basically look at look at anything and and try to work the numbers to their favor to 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 prove their case, but I think you're right. The other the other part of this is we don't really know the the, the true number yet. 
there are plenty more people who have had the virus at this point. I mean, we th- that number is so off at this <laughs> at this point. I mean, I've, I've been I've been talking to different colleagues here in Minneapolis who have had it and they they just haven't gone in anywhere, and they have yeah. not and they have not been tested. But it's pretty clear that they have it or have had it. So that's yeah, that. it's cra- yeah, it's crazy. So like we, so the other, you know, I kind of have these like little spiels that basically I've been doing over and over with all all of our patients yeah. because there's been so much inf- misinformation, and I'm, you know, just trying to use a lot of you know the visits to try to educate people, especially when it's clear that they're not taking it seriously, and if they have say older relatives that I also take care of that I know like would be very at risk if they were to get it, right? You know, and so. Um, when you look at our county, we've only had maybe like about 40 cases, but we really haven't been testing people. Like our Department of Health, we didn't have hardly any test kits. And so at first they made it very like very clear that we could only test people who were sick enough to go into the hospital. Hmm. And so basically we hadn't really like even still like I just um, we just tested some of the staff like this week. So I just, you know, did the swab and did the blood test. Not that like I've had any symptoms, but I've yeah. interacted with so many different people yeah. that it's likely. I mean, I just assume basically at some point in the next 12 months, I'll definitely get it. Yeah. You know, and <clears throat> and so we're just starting to uh, kind of test staff. Uh, just to see whether or not we've had any positives and that sort of thing. But so to an- to answer your question, that we definitely have way more cases that are probably positive and we just haven't been able to test enough people. You know, the other problem is that like the tests are not very good. You know, so now they're, you know, kind of saying that these antibody tests are probably essentially kind of worthless because it's like, you know, maybe 50, 60% sensitive and you're, you're having a lot of false positives and tons of false negatives too. Okay. And plus like those aren't really even telling you whether or not like you have an active infection, yeah. you know, they're really telling you whether or not you've been exposed. Okay. And then we still don't know if you were exposed, if you have any immunity, if you were to be exposed again, right. or if the virus started to mutate and you had a different strain you know, if you have any sort of immunity at all. That's, so, that's, that's the other interesting thing about this. And, and I, I, this is not my field, so I don't know enough about it. You probably know more about it than I do. But, you know, one of the things that I've been reading is that there have been very few cases that have been traced back to outdoor activities. And, and that, you know, from what I've read, it's because, you know, air outside and wind movement basically disperses viral load, right? So you need to have a certain number of them um, and, Ultimately, if they can get into your mouth or nasal passages, that's that's really how we're going to get sick, right? Yes. And more uh, more so than I mean, obviously you can get stuff from having contact on your hands and touching, you know, the the, the eyes or or mouth or nose. But that's that that seems to be the, the the big thing right now. And if that's the case, I mean, this this is one of those things. Like I'm trying to figure out. In, in you know in in what way can we can we use some of this information that we have right now to have some semblance of of normality but also be smart like i think there has to be a bridge and and, and the other thing you know based on what you were talking about earlier is that we have to probably do some back and forth between like okay the numbers the numbers are gone down at this point but as soon as we start to see a change or as soon as we can you know be better about contact tracing which seems like 
in the U.S. is very little right now. I mean, you know, only in only in these rural areas can you actually do contact tracing. It seems like, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, because then you're more likely to be able to see, or you know, because it's a smaller area and you're yeah. interacting with you know a smaller amount of people, and there's also not as many places to go. To be honest with you, right? You know, like in the small <laughs> right. town I live at, really, like the only places to go are basically like the grocery store and the pharmacy. You know, so there aren't a ton of places. So if we start having you know, ones that are popping up positive, we're more likely to be able to do quicker contact tracing. Right. Yeah. So is, is there anything like in, in terms of like guiding, guiding it forward at this point, like, what do you, what do you start to do? I mean, let's, I mean, first of all, I think it's, it's just the acceptance that we're, we're, we're in something, you know, I mean, I think we, we need to have more people sort of really believe that this is something that we're not just going to like easily get out of. And, and part of it is because it seems to be happening more from uh, less from contact, but, right, and and more from 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 aspiration. So, if that's the case, we need more information about like how that happens, where that happens, and 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 have some sense of safety in this too. I mean, I think this is the other part of it that I'm, you know, I've been trying to talk to some people about too. People who I you know work with on a regular basis who have a lot of anxiety issues. Like I want them to have some sense that there is there is safety here too. That you know that there's just the change that's gone on. A hundred percent. Yeah. So so basically, it seems like almost all of the cases are are being transmitted through either at home through family contact or basically like at work in, in very like close quarters or, you know, like in the hospitals. And so to answer your question about like the viral load, like one of the reasons why healthcare workers are, are contracting it way more often and they're getting, you know, more severe cases because of the viral load, meaning, you know, they're around these patients, they're coughing, they're breathing it in. Mm -hmm. And of course, because of like the whole protective gear and a lot of them don't still don't have the appropriate masks and that sort of thing. If you get a bunch of viral load, one, your immune system, immune system is going to go crazy. And so that's why so many people get, you know, severe diseases and they're continuing to get more viral load. So they'll get sicker and that sort of thing. But, um, so most, most cases are being uh, contracted in, at home or in close quarters. There's really hasn't been shown that it it uh, necessarily can be you know transmitted when you're outside, especially if people are are being smart about it and they're not basically just all you know crowded together somewhere outside, you know, and coughing on each other that sort of thing. Right. You know, it seems like. You know, even if you were to say to go like for a bike ride or go for a run or that sort of thing, yeah. you know, it's it's possible still like say someone like coughed or that sort of thing and you ran like basically right kind of like, yeah, ran through it. it. It's possible, you know, but it's it's less likely. And so I've really been trying to encourage my patients to, you know, get outside every day because the mental health part of this of people yeah. being locked away from their families and especially a lot of the people I take care of don't have Internet you know, and so they can't like video chat with their family and that sort of thing. Yeah. And so it's been really hard for a lot of people. Yeah. And so I think it's really important for people to almost kind of take personal responsibility and understand that, you know, who would be more at risk? You know, obviously people with any sort of lung disorder, COPD, asthma, people who smoke, you know, you know, lung cancer, that sort of thing. But also they're showing that, you know, obesity and diabetes are two really big ones, too. And also, you know, just older, you know, older ages. But we also have to be, you know, honest about it that I we've been seeing cases even in their 30s and 40s of people getting COVID and then also having these very strange kind of stroke like 
um, inflammatory Yeah, there's a blood response. part of this too, right? I mean, that's that. there's yeah. another part of this that we still don't quite understand that I think is going to take a while too to figure out what some of that stuff is. Totally. And one of the scariest things is that in the last two weeks, there started um, – in uh, the last time I looked, it was like it was this was in, you know, 10 different states and also in 15 different countries. But we're starting to see this multi-system inflammatory response in children. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, it, and it's similar to this Kawasaki's disease where yep. you have these large artery arteritis where you get, you know, basically inflammatory response that that really causes problems in large arteries. It's similar to that, supposedly. Yeah. And uh, and that's really made, um, I think, some of the parents a little worried, too. So I one of my patients is uh, one of the principals in the local area. And so we were talking about it and she said that this has probably changed a lot of, you know, parents idea about maybe sending their kids back to work and that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, it's not a ton of cases, but it's enough to to make us say that this isn't just, you know, people 65 and older or just people who have tons of chronic diseases. Yeah. There's been some cases of people who, you know, are pretty healthy or, or these young, young kids. And so, yeah, it's a real thing. Yeah. And, and, and I, that's part of been part of the way that I view this right now is, you know, even, even with, with going back to work, like I, I, I think it, we have to be really smart about, I mean, I'm not seeing the, the same kind of load that you are. So it's, you know, I've, I've just been treating any urgent care type things, but, but I think, you know, we, we, and just, just the way I've been thinking about how I interact based on, you know, whether or not I'm going to treat very many people. So then I'm sure you're, you're going through this right now, right? You're, it's like, you know, now, now if you go to, you know, Reading or someplace, right. And, and you go to a target, you're like, oh my God, I'm going to, I'm in a big store with a bunch of people. Like you feel, I'm sure you feel the pressure of like being super careful and not going down aisles next to people and stuff. Right. Oh yeah, totally. And, and you know, the hard thing is, is every time I go grocery shopping in Reading or, or go to Target, that sort of thing, I'm like one of the only people wearing masks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's just really kind of unfortunate. And the, I mean, the other thing is cause I interact with so many people at the clinic, you know, I feel like I really have to protect, you know, when I go out to like grocery stores and that sort of thing, because, yeah. um, you know, I recently got tested, but I don't have the results yet. Um, and so, I mean, it's, it's possible that I could be a carrier too. I mean, right. you almost have to like treat yourself like that, yeah. you know, especially if you have people in your life that are at risk, you know, and, and really, if you don't want to do it for yourself, if you don't want to take it seriously, like for yourself and wear a mask and wash your hands and do social distancing, you know, just think about like one person in your life that you really love, who's older or yeah. who has chronic diseases yeah. and do it for them, yeah. you know? It's unfortunate that we've had kind of this fractured and, and, you know, kind of different responses across the country and we're not really united, unfortunately. Right. So I think you really have to almost take it back to almost like a family and community level yeah. and really kind of do it for your family and your community so we can kind of get through this because I think it's unfortunately only going to get worse. How, how often do you get tested then as, as a doctor? Well, you know, that's the interesting part is we really hadn't until now. And, yeah. um, you know, we've uh, kind of discussed maybe doing it once a month just mm -hmm. in case, you know, to try to pick up, you know, asymptomatic carriers because we interact with so many different people. Yeah, uh, We've talked about that. But again, it's kind of like the lack of testing supplies, too. And so you kind of have to weigh both of those. It's getting better. Yeah. You know, the testing supplies are getting better as the private labs have opened up and, and even some of the public health labs have been able to increase their capacity. But um, how, how yeah, long we is were, it taking you there to get the, the test results? Yeah, that's a great question. So at the beginning, it was taking almost 10 days. Oh, wow. it was taking, I know. So like, how can you make a decision on that? Yeah. And especially, you know, the hard thing is as basically a doctor in the outpatient setting 
is so many of these symptoms are the same as common colds, as you know, even similar to influenza, at least the symptoms. Yeah. But the other thing is right now, allergy season is like taken off. I know. And so so many of the symptoms are similar to that too. And so people are, you know, freaking out and that sort of thing. And you kind of have to make decisions and uh, based on, you know, people's symptoms and who to test because, you know, like I said, we haven't had a ton of testing available. So can can we talk masks for a second? I'm I'm curious too, just from mm-hmm. like the you know what what your use is within the clinical setting, and then I feel like there's there's a lot of people out there who who have different opinions about, and you know I think the one of the CDC people said something that was very misleading, and that everyone felt like oh masks aren't really protecting me, so I'm not going to wear masks, which is obviously a little bit selfish, but <laughs> you know that, that that what 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 do you know about this? Well, so I think this is just a totally unfortunate, like, um, you know, they just weren't thinking because this is what I think really happened was basically this whole thing took off and it was clear that the healthcare professionals did not have the appropriate masks. And so all these clinics and hospitals were having the hardest time acquiring any masks. So I think basically what the CDC did is get on and and try to convince people not to go out and buy masks so then the people who were on the front lines could actually have them. And it just confused everything. So then, you know, now that like masks are more available and people like, actually a lot of my patients have started making masks for other people, which is super cool. Um, And now there's all this confusion. But really, you know, the masks say like that people are making themselves out of fabric or even surgical masks and those types of things are really good to protect you from other people, you know, from other people, because basically it's trying to kind of trap your cough or or sneeze or that sort of thing. Those don't do like um, as good a job as, you know, protecting like uh, if someone were to breathe on you or cough on you, it doesn't do as good of a job gotcha. as the N95. Like the N95 is good at basically protecting both, both ways. Both ways, yeah. Yeah, but all the other ones are good for. So then you're, you're kind of protecting you from other people. Yeah, and yeah. and I I had, I had really only used N95 masks for some construction projects before. <laughs> so I mean, in, just in my field, it's not something I've had to deal with, but I've been wearing them basically to to treat. And man, it I it it's really hard. It's really hard to wear them for long periods of time. I had, I had them on for, you know, about an hour and a half at one stretch and, you know, hour here and there. And man, it's, it's, it's like, you need, you need a break, you know, pretty much every hour from, from wearing them. Yeah. They're very uncomfortable. So basically what I do is <clears throat> I wear a surgical mask all day, okay. you know, especially for all the patients that, uh, you know, don't have any upper respiratory symptoms or, or I'm not concerned that maybe they've contracted it. And then if I do have a patient where I think it's possible that, you know, they could have been exposed or they could have symptoms, you know, we've done this kind of, we've created this uh, phone triage. So if anyone has any sort of symptoms, we've actually locked the clinic in the front. And so they have to ring the doorbell and then they kind of go through an evaluation. And if anyone calls with those types of symptoms, we have them go through kind of a triage Mm -hmm. and then decide to actually uh, I'll uh, see people in the parking lot in their car. So then if that's the case, then I'll wear the N95 mask, you know, and gown up and that sort of thing for those types of patients. But, you know, because we don't have a ton of those masks anyways, and to be able to see all the other patients and wear the mask all day long, basically I just wear a surgical mask. Yeah. I mean, we just happen to have them because of my wife's pottery uh, 
<laughs> work. Um, but otherwise, we I, I wouldn't have wouldn't have had them, and 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 we I just have a few, so I'm I was sort of planning on like I I, I have ordered a bunch of surgical masks to to move forward, but I think I'm gonna have to be very careful about who I decide to treat, and you know because I treat babies. I, f- I feel like I'm going to start saving those masks for for work with babies. You know, I'm I'm only working with babies who are like in pretty chronic situation where they they're really struggling to feed or their digestive system is like in, in such a bad place that they're not absorbing food and that kind of stuff. So, but otherwise, I feel like I I, I need to move to a, a lighter mask. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, they can they can be a little uncomfortable. You know, the interesting thing is a lot of people up here had N95 masks because of the fires. Oh and yeah, so- that's right. Yeah, so we actually got some donations from, you know, the fire department and some other people who had kind of stockpiled them because of, you know, we're like right in the middle of forest fire up here. Wow. You have fire going on right now? No, but uh, we're in the, you know, in the area for it. In the zone. I'm really, I'm really hoping that we got some rain recently and with, you know, the... Uh, pollution down because everyone's been staying home. I'm really yeah. hoping that that we don't have a huge fire season on top of all of this because that would just be devastating know, for people up here. Yeah. So, so as a as a doctor, are, are are there things that you're you're? I mean, knowing knowing your like what you were saying earlier that you're going to be exposed at some point. Are there any things that you're doing to sort of safeguard yourself in terms of just basic self care stuff? And you know that that's another. Con- um, Kind of unfortunate thing is that we haven't been focusing on how to amp up our immune system. You yeah. know, we've been focusing so much on, you know, the testing and the possible treatments and the hydroxychloroquine and the remdesivir and all that type of stuff. But no one's really talking about how can we actually increase our immune system to be able to fight it off that way. Yeah. And so, uh, unfortunately, we don't know a whole lot, but I live in a place and, and you probably too, but almost everyone that I treat up here is low in vitamin D. And there's yeah. been some studies that actually, if your vitamin D is low, you have much worse outcomes. So I've had all of my patients up here on at least 5,000 units of vitamin D3. Hmm. You know, it's one of the things I take myself along with, you know, vitamin K2. Um, and then, you know, still trying to work out, you know, and trying to get enough sleep. And I mean, really kind of trying to do the, the basic stuff and eating well. And it's hard in this type of situation, you know, because everyone's, everyone's stressed and, you know, we, of course, being you know, healthcare professionals and being empathetic, you kind of take a lot of that on too, right, right. you know, and so it's easy to get stressed and not sleep well. And then, you know, the restaurants aren't open. And so I know a lot of people have gained some weight too. You <laughs> right. Know, I know a lot of my patients have, they've been, you know, calling it the quarantine 15 or the COVID 19. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, just, you know, really trying to do the basic stuff, um, which can be hard during this time. But yeah. 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 Have you, have you, you, yeah, same, same thing. I mean, you know, we, we have a treadmill in the house. So when it was, when it was cooler at the beginning of this in March, we were able to kind of do stuff inside and I've been trying to get outside. We've been doing a lot of like home projects, just being outside doing, I was telling you the the other day, I was, you know, doing some brickwork and, you know, getting rid of some old, old cinder block stuff or or, or I'm not sure what you call them, I guess some, some kind of uh, retaining wall type thing. And man, that's that's killer work. I like I yeah, sure. I, I lost some of my my COVID weight <laughs> just from doing that the other day. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I've tried to just stay in in a somewhat of a, a a regular routine. But I do feel there are some days where I, I think I I take on a lot of you know things, and also just having these conversations and going through this kind of stuff. Um, and people also who who have had family members. 
who have had problems during this time. It's not always, and I, and I know you're dealing with this too, because you're saying your, your cases are low, but it's still, it still flares all the mental health stuff at the same time. So I get a lot of people contacting me for things, you know, trying to get some, some advice. So I, I feel like I'm still fielding a lot of stuff during this time, even though I'm not, not treating, but you know, I'm, I'm happy to do that right now too. I feel like that's a, that's an important role. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, even with uh, people who haven't contracted it or their family members haven't, they're still super worried about it. Yeah. You know, especially like our older patients who, you know, haven't seen their grandkids, you know, or, or even their kids because they've been, you know, afraid, you know, and, and it's probably smart, you know, especially people who, you know, live kind of farther away and then they'll come up to visit. You know, a lot of patients have been asking me about it. I'm just saying, you know, it's probably best to wait right now because, yeah. You know, they don't. You know, we just don't know, like, who's the asymptomatic carrier, who could be spreading it. And 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 this is part of the bridge part that I want. I want to kind of talk about a little bit too, because I feel like that we're going to have to cross that bridge and come back over it again once you know, once in a while here through this thing. And you know, I do think that there is there is an important part of this, which is keeping up relationships in some ways doing it smartly, like I, we're, you know, trying to do some, some meetings with friends where I'm out, where we're outside and, you know, at a distance, but can still hang out outside together. That kind of stuff can be helpful, but, you know, it, it also depends on who you are. And I, I mean, I happen to be a person who doesn't have any of those things. I think if I had any sort of chronic lung issues, if I was obese, if I had, you know, any other diabetes or any other thing that might be a challenge right now, I would probably not take any risks. And I think that's, it's unfortunate, but, you know, I, I think there's, there still can be some, some other things for, for people who, who, who have those things too. I think, you know, and just being outside, you know, in, you know, in nature is always going to be helpful for vitamin D and for just, you know, the, there's a, there's a, there's a healing thing that just happens from being outside too. And it's, it's great for our mental health. Oh my gosh, hundred percent. Yeah, and I talk about that a lot too. That you know, really, we get all of our energy from the sun. Yeah, you know what right, I mean. Right. Either either directly or, for, or through you know, the food, plants, yeah. or the animals that eat the plants. You know. Yeah. yeah. And so it's something we don't think about. And just for people's, uh, yeah, like you were saying, like mental health. So many people are just locked in their house watching the news all day. That's another yeah. thing too yeah, that yeah. I've really had to try to encourage a lot of people because it's almost like the the news it, because it's a 24-hour news cycle and people are just kind of locked in it that it's really kind of created a lot of anxiety and stress and 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 paranoia almost in a lot of patients too. Yeah. The best thing that I've, you know, done for myself is to basically I I I look at my my news once a day. You know, I feel like not nothing major is going to happen within one day. And if something major does happen, I'm sure I'll hear about it. Right. And, and, you know, other than that, you have to carve out some time to still live your life. You know, you have to, you have to go do those joyful activities. And, and if, if you're really having a hard time doing that right now, I think you have to like program that in for yourself and, and, you know, set up your days so that you say from this time to this time, I'm, I'm, I'm just doing stuff that I want to do. Yeah. hundred percent. And if, um, and you can kind of pick your risks too a little bit, you know, especially yeah, if you're, you yeah. know, a fairly healthy person and you're not living with anyone who's, who's really at risk. And, you know, I think this is kind of also a part of, of the bridge type of thing you were talking about too, especially, you know, I mean, we obviously can't go on like for a, a whole year or something with our economy down like this. I mean, that's the hard part is like right. at first we really needed to focus on the medicine and, and the virus and that sort of thing. And the economics is, is really starting to play a center stage because, you know, 
there are a lot of people who unfortunately are, um, you know, suicides is, is going up, unfortunately, you know, yeah. and mental yeah. health as people are losing jobs and that sort of thing. And so that part of it is totally real too. And so people do need to be able to start opening their business and that sort of thing. But, you know, they have to know that it's also at a risk for them and also at their customers too. So, yeah. you know, being able to be smart about that and be able, being able to be smart about taking risks. Yes, support where you can. And, and that, you know, that's businesses, that's your family, you know, I, and, and even I'm starting to think about it with my kids. I mean, is is there a point at which we bring somebody else into our quarantine circle? You know, you know, people who are being very thoughtful and conscientious through this time period, is that something that can happen, you know? It's, it's, it's a, and, and, and that needs to be a, like a serious conversation with another parent. If we do that, we're, we're starting to, we're starting to think about it, you know, for the summer or, or, or do we just, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot on parents too, to be, to be the everything for their children right now, you know, to, to be the entertainers of everything, to educate them, to, you know, deal with everything that, that goes through them at this point especially, you know, people who are working from home because they're having to work from home and take care of their kids yeah. and help them with all the schoolwork too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. I've, I've been the homeschool teacher and, nice. you know, some of it is, is, is the teaching part of it. Some of it is organizing. And then there's a, a whole new part of it for me. That's like, I, I'm, I'm learning kind of where she's at and, you know, your own child will play you in a totally different way than they'll play their, their teacher, you know? <laughs> so, awesome. so, so for a while it was like, she wasn't going to do anything unless I was there. And then I started realizing, well, that's not how she is at school actually. And then, yeah. so, you know, I, I started working on independence and saying, you know, this is, this is the, the thing I'm, I'm going to work with you on. And then you, I'm going to have you work on this thing. And as long as it was structured and, and understood, then you can kind of step away. And it's not like they're not going to come to you and say, this is too hard. I don't know what to do. <laughs> but, you know, that's that's just going to be part of it. But but it, it's, you know, for me, I'm finding it's it's very hard to get into any sort of zone right now on, on too many things because I'm just pulled back and in, into things all the time. And I feel like I'm, I'm going to try not to take on too much right now either because that's kind of what my role has to be, I think. And, you know, my wife's working full-time so and that's not an easy thing to do from home and they basically just found out today that it's it's probably going to be through at least the end of august and possibly into october oh wow yeah so i mean which is the smart thing i mean if, if you totally. can do it you know if, if if your work can happen that way but it's it's hard because you know when you're when you're in an office together you are actually learning a lot just from in-person things you're you're picking up a lot of things just from sort of observation that you're not getting from, from this situation. So, you know, it's, it's challenging all around. Yeah. You know, the, the other thing I was just thinking about is I also kind of worry about people who live alone, yeah. you know, who live yeah. alone and, you know, aren't really quarantining with anyone because we really do need some physical touch in our lives too, right, right. you know, hugs and that sort of thing. And so people who, you know, are totally isolated, maybe even just working from home or don't have, you know, family in the area and are totally alone. Those people I worry about too. Yeah. Do, do, you, do you find people coming to you maybe on some level looking for that? Like to, um, that's, a, that's, that's actually a really great question. In some ways, yes. Yeah. You know, even just some interaction, you know, there, there are definitely people who come in who, 
almost kind of need that uh, that uh, social interaction and, and to be able to spend some time with them and and they're kind of all alone that sort of thing for sure yeah yeah, yeah definitely yeah and they're willing to take the risk of coming into the clinic basically just for some of that kind of yes I'm taking care of their medical problems but a lot of it is is kind of more social interaction real personal attention too yeah hundred percent yeah wow it's 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 a it's such a it's such a like amazing time period. I can't, I can't think of anything like this that I, that I've experienced. And, and, I, and I, you know, I, I think the, the, the immediate reaction I find from a lot of people, is there's, there's a lot of extremes going on. And I think that's part of why people are, are making some bad choices. It's like, it's, it's, it's this real denial thing. Like, I don't want this to be my world. And so, you know, that's, it's, you know, as if as if their rights are being taken away by by these kinds of things when they're they're meant to protect them. I mean, most people wouldn't even consider driving without a seatbelt at this point. But yeah. you know, that's, it's it, it feels very similar to that. I remember, uh, you know, at that, that there was a point at which th- that was happening. I remember being living in New York when 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 bars were starting to say you couldn't smoke in bars anymore, and that seemed like people were outraged for a while. And now you can't even imagine being in a in a place where a bunch of people are smoking. So. You know, it's it's the same kind of thing. That's what I've been relating it to. That that's that that's what we're really going through right now. That's it it it's it's a change. You know, and and it's not going to be forever either. But you know, for a period of time, the the smarter we can be about it, the 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 better off we'll we'll end up being. And and the fewer of those you know close you know family members we'll lose. Yeah, and it's hard too because we don't uh, we don't know everything about it. You know, and so to be able to really convince everyone, all right, we really have to do all these things for this amount of time, you know, and things are changing almost like every week. And so, and there's so many different opinions coming at people from all different sides. And so it's almost hard for people to know who to trust anymore, you know, and their friends online and that sort of thing. They're getting fed all these different information. And so it's hard for people to kind of follow these new rules in some ways, because like we talked about at the beginning, if they don't know a family member or best friend who's been affected by this, they don't think it's real. Yeah. And they think it's made up or it's, you know, somewhere else it's not here, you know, and so it's harder for people to kind of follow these new types of rules. It was interesting. I was uh, reading something the other day and they were, you know, um, they were talking about the, the personal protection for, you know, healthcare workers right now, you know, some rules need to be changed and it's almost similar to kind of when the HIV like uh, epidemic yeah, started, yeah. you know, and bloodborne pathogens and all the things we kind of learned about that, yeah. you know, and being able to protect yourself and that sort of yeah, thing. That seems so very similar like, to that. Yeah, very similar. And, and needing to like know how the virus is spreading, how to protect yourself, what actually equipment is really going to do that. And so it's just like this evolving story right now. And there's there's so much information that's coming out. And even like, I mean, I'm even having a hard time know, knowing who to trust in the medical field, you know, because mm-hmm. there's so many of these studies that are coming out and it's great that they're putting them out, you know, for free and that sort of thing. But a lot of them aren't being peer reviewed yet and things are changing later. Yeah. And then people have certain opinions, you know, for example, the CDC from South Korea, like put out the study and basically was saying that, you know, after someone recovers from the virus, they can still be shedding the virus for up to 80 days. Hmm. They're saying that they were finding basically like uh, positive tests in people like 80 days after they started being symptomatic. So they were basically telling people, you know, at first, like, well, you know, if you have it, you really have to be super careful for long periods of time. And then about a month later, they did another study and felt like actually it's just dead virus that's coming out. And these people actually aren't infecting anyone else. And so it's like 
changes like week by week. I, I read that and same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, we're having these weekly meetings with all the doctors across like our, our uh, clinics, like over Zoom every Thursday, you know, so I'm doing like a lot of research every kind of Wednesday to try to uh, kind of contribute to the meeting. It's just crazy how, how things are changing all the time. Yeah. Have, have you read much on, I mean, I, I know you, you know about the pangolins, but uh, have, 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 you, have you learned any more in terms of where the virus originated? Because that's another place where a lot of crazy <laughs> stories there's are coming lot, out. There's, there's a lot of craziness, but you know, that, and again, it's impossible to know who to trust on that. Yeah. You know, I think, I think there's a compelling case to basically say that it went from a bat to a pangolin to humans, you know, I think, and, it, and it's, you know, totally unnatural because they, they had been studying these coronaviruses in bats. They knew, like there were Chinese like researchers who knew about this, you know, this type of coronavirus in bats like two years ago, Yeah. you know? And so, but then of course the, you know, there's the other side of it where, you know, people are saying it came from that Wuhan research lab too. Right. And it's, I mean, it's hard not to think that that's possible. You're right. You know what I mean? It's hard not to think that 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 was impossible, especially. I mean, I don't know how I don't know if, uh, how real this is, but supposedly one of the virologists who who figured out like the HIV virus, yeah, uh, basically came out and said that uh, that the virus has to be man-made because of some of like the RNA that's in it, and yeah. so it like had to be like you know man-made and manufactured. So it's, I mean, honestly, it's impossible to know at this point. But, yeah. I don't think we'll know for a long time. Yeah, and and, and just, we may never know. I mean, that's that's one of those. It's just, it, that's where it feels so much like the AIDS virus to me, because all the same all the same theories came out around the AIDS virus too. You know, like that that could have been man-made in a lab, and but or it kind of or it came from monkeys or it came from some other animal. It's like I I try to I I try to diffuse that conversation and say that we'll never know and let's just figure out what the solution is right now and the faster 100%. we work on that like you know pointing fingers and trying to come up with you know who did it we, we we'll, we'll never find out basically so yes. let's 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 figure out what the solution is here yes 100 percent yeah it would be really interesting with this vaccine too because i mean there's been so many you know i think they've had over 100 different trials in china that they're working on and you know they they had the first human uh trials here in the united states with like some you know positive results impossible to know because there's only eight patients you know right, but right. it'll be really interesting how that whole thing plays out too do you know which companies right now are you are you following companies in in terms of like their 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 records on some of this stuff and and what they're what they're doing in terms of studies yet? Not really, to be yeah. honest with you. You know, I've followed just kind of like in the periphery yeah. because you know it's gonna it's definitely gonna take a while. It's mm. definitely gonna take a while. Yeah, you know, maybe twelve months. Who knows? I know that they're really trying to push hard, but when that happens, then mistakes are made too. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah, I don't think there's any way that I would I would volunteer to. Uh, to get that vaccine until much later, right? Especially because I I expect to be exposed anyways. Right. So hopefully I'll have some sort of immunity, but that would be um, that would be hard. Well, thanks, man. This is this is so helpful. I I I feel like I need to kind of keep going through it. I mean, as much as I read, I I still feel like you know it's it's nice. To, it's it's part of the, it's the it's it's the verbal peer review process a little bit of just being able to say I this is how I feel. And I, 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 you know, but I, but I'm, I'm just, you know, 
as we both do in, in many ways, we're, we're looking at the whole of the situation, looking for the patterns, trying to figure out what, what makes the most sense out of this. And, you know, sort of being willing to, to look back and say, well, I was wrong about that thing. You know, that's, that's another one of those pieces right now where we, and, and even I've, I've been talking to some friends about things too, where, you know, they've, they've gone to do something and then after the fact, they're like, oh, I probably shouldn't have done that. Like, that's a mistake. Well, we're just learning how to sort of move around in this, in this new world too. So, you know, give, cut ourselves a little bit of slack here. Oh my gosh, absolutely. I was totally wrong about it at the beginning. And I've, I've definitely kind of changed my opinion over time as I've learned more information. Yeah. But I just hope that most people, you know, just realize like this is totally a real thing and yeah. it's super unfortunate. And we've already lost 100,000 people and we're probably going to lose more. Yeah. And, you know, there are certain things that we really can do, you know, just being really smart about it and trying, you know, you really have to look out for yourself and your family and your community, yeah. you know, and if you're, you know, especially if you have family or if you are, you know, at risk, you really have to kind of take your own precautions because, you know, no one else is really looking out for you. Unfortunately, at this point, we really kind of have to make really smart decisions for ourselves and our family and our community. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I've been thinking about it from the from the beginning is, you know, it's it's interesting because I, I, I did this podcast about maybe a year and a half ago with one of my chef friends in, in, in Brooklyn, in New York. And and the I'll probably repost this soon because I feel like it's it's a it's an important one to kind of look at again in terms of what what are the makeup of our communities what is it that that we we get from being in a community and one of the things I you know she's a she's a longtime client of mine and friend and so I I I've been talking to her about this for a while that like I I place a lot of value on these places that I go to let down you know I mean it's it's a place outside of it, it is it is part of our leisure to be able to go to this place where we recognize faces and they recognize us and to be able to just like you know, have someone, you know, with her, I feel like it's a, it's an art form, have, have them be able to share this art as, as you would going to a concert or, you know, going to a museum or something like restaurants can be like that for people. And even if it's just simple food, you know, the, the, the care that gets put into it and the, you know, the, the smiling faces and all those things, it's, it's, it's such an important part of, of the fabric of our, of our lives. We're, we're going to, we're going to have a much different sense of what that is, but I see too many people who are, are, are still being a little too callous with grocery store workers and, and places that they go on a regular basis. I mean, I go to like three different stores on a regular basis and I know all the faces that are at these stores. Like I think about that before I go into the store, like that's, that's why I'm wearing a mask right now. And, you know, so the, the same, same with every other place. I think we can start to kind of like slowly get back into our groove, but we have to take, we have to think about, you know, there has to be some care being taken for these people who are, have really, I mean, especially from entre the entrepreneurial standpoint, and you and I know this well, like you, you, you take risks, you take some big risks to, to, to put yourself out there with, with a project or with a, with a restaurant or anything, even with a clinic, you know, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it takes a lot of, a lot of money and a lot of effort to make these places go. And it doesn't take much as we're seeing for, for things to get off track quickly. And, then we're not getting the care and support and all these different things that come from having that as part of our community. So I, that's another big piece of this that I want people to really be you know, mindful of right now. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's perfect. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks for going through this. Great to see your face on Zoom. Absolutely. We, we, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and 
if you know if, if there's anything else that comes up that you feel like needs to get out there, you know whether it's a maybe we've talked about maybe doing something even as a little short so that you can kind of people seem to like to hear from you. you by the way, just a, a quick shout out: you had the most listened to podcast last year, so. Oh, cool. Um, <laughs> I think, I think I'm sure it was mostly you. <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, maybe it's maybe it's us. We'll we'll we'll, yeah, we'll, leave, we'll leave it Perfect. at that. Yeah. All right, man. Have a good night. All right, you too. Dr. Aaron Babb, folks. We decided to record this one together because we both started to see and hear a lot of statements being made by friends and family members patients and media outlets that felt a little off base, like we didn't have a very coordinated effort going on. And what we're really trying to do here is minimize harm. And we felt like this, uh, all this information needed a little sorting. At the end of the day, there's still so much that we don't know, and it will be up to each of us to make decisions based on the information that we trust. So I hope that this conversation might help you make some decisions for yourself. Let me know what you thought of this topic in conversation. You can always reach me at jeremy at highway2.health. Thanks for listening and for all that you do. Be good to yourself, be kind to each other, and take care of your planet. Be well, my friends. If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Healthcare for Humans, hosted by Dr. Sundar, expands our understanding of the history and culture of different communities and how to provide culturally responsive care. There's an episode you should check out where guest Dr. Duran details the systemic barriers faced by individuals with DACA status and highlights the importance of addressing these barriers. Check out Healthcare for Humans on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.